Shalom, welcome to another episode of Rebel City Podcast. I have no idea what number. Aye, I think we've lost track of what number it is long ago. I think, aye, the last time you even guessed, you were like 10 out, I think, so, aye. <laughs> What's that? Uh-huh. This is episode 155 million of Rebel City Podcast. But, um, it's nice to hear some guests back then and know... Uh, talking about the absolute just fucking shit show that the country is at the minute. So, I I said in the last episode I'd been indulging a bit of escapism, um, and I think obviously we'll we'll be doing that today, getting into um, a bit more filmmaking. Absolutely. You know, so filmmaking. this week's guest, this week, this month's guest, this year's <laughs> guest is uh, Alan Main and uh, Cameron Blythe. How's it going, guys? Go good, man. Good. Thanks, Thanks for having us on, by the way. Not at all. Nice to meet you. Aye, absolutely. I got your names right there, didn't I? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Don't need to make me feel. So, um, I were here to talk today about uh, a film project which is called True Sickness. Uh, I love the artwork, by the way. Oh, thanks very much. You come up with that. <laughs> that, uh, that was actually an artist, uh, my brother knew, and I'd asked him if they were they're interested in doing a poster. It's it's really cool. It's almost like kind of James O'Barr, kind of the crow kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, it looks like it. it's, it's really cool. Aye, man, it's cool. <laughs> aye, aye, take, take note of it. But the tagline is, the dreamer is awake and the nightmare can begin, which, see, to be honest, I mean, I'm a, I didn't say this when, when we first met, like, I'm a therapist and a psychologist, so okay. that type of things, I think that's a great tagline for yeah. a, a movie about mental health. But before we actually get into the movie, I just want to try and get to know you guys a wee bit. And yeah. Alan, like... What made you get into filmmaking in the first place? Has it always been the type of thing when you were young that you were pure fascinated by? Is it like a sort of passion that you've had or is it something that's kind of like developed over time? It was, it kind of started like, really my whole life from remember, since I can kind of remember, I've just loved films. Like, I've just always watched them, always been like obsessed with them. And it was just, you know, it was, and filmmaking never really came across me as like a career path or anything, but just... Um, one day, like, cause, like, I kind of hated school, like, um, in fifth year, like, I was, like, so depressed, like, I just, I just didn't really get it, and it was, yeah. it just wasn't for me, kind of thing, so I got up really early in the morning, like, a stupid time, like, five o'clock in the morning or something, and I'd get a film on, and just, if I started that day, why good film, it would kind of, I would change it and make it, kind of, a reason to get up, get up in the morning to go, and mm-hmm. one morning I stuck on, um, once Upon a Time in America, the Sergio Leone, like, okay, uh, gangster film. It's like 19 hours long or something. <laughs> it's like four hours long or something. <laughs> you got it soon in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched it and it just, it just blew my mind. I was like, holy shit, like, this is, this is filmmaking. This is. It's one of them I've always meant to get to and it's yeah. on my list. And I've never, every time I get to the hover or the play button, I'm like, four hours part, man. Yeah, can I split this up in a couple it's of episodes? Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, but like I watched it and was just like, whoa, like the music, the acting, just the way the story was, it just it just changed everything. I just went, I want to do this. And it just from then I was just obsessed with it. I was like, like where's the paths? Where can I go? Like, what kind of um colleges or uni can I go to? Can I study it? And yeah. It just kind of sparked from there and I've just been obsessed with it ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where is it you you said that you're for Cope Bridge? Cope Bridge, yeah. We're talking off mic. What kind of response did you get? I mean, I remember school teachers fifth year. You know, <laughs> me and Matt went to school in East End in St Andrews in Carntine, and I think if you had, I went in and went, you know, I'm going to be a filmmaker. Like, I'd secrets aspirate. Any type of, like, creativity uh-huh. was like, that's nice. Yeah. No, like, what, what's you your real job going to be? You know what I mean? Like, right. mm-hmm. Did you ever, were you met with that similar sort of stigma, if you ever sort of expressed that at, like, what, 16, 17-year-old? Yeah, I know, like, you can't bring it up to people and they're like, all right, good for you, like, how are you gonna do that? And I'm just like, oh, I don't really know. And like, 
Again, you can get a, you can get people being like, you know, it's good to have dreams, some, but you need to think about, about real life. What are you really gonna do? You know what I mean? But like, mm. how I do this. <laughs> and like, how far back do you use to go? Is that where you uh, we, we about met, at we the met, time, or is that something? We met at college, and then uh, we were in the same class at college. When was that? How many years ago was that? That was 2018. 2018. Started, yeah. And uh, I, we weren't really. Excuse college. me. When did you go to school? What, what age are you? I'm 22. All oh, right. Okay. I'm 22. All oh, right. Okay. So there's an age difference here, but <laughs> I, I, and you know me, Martin, nearly 40. So there's, a, there's another. Uh, but it's just that um, I went to college in 2018. I'm actually so 40. Oh, so you're happy with me? We forgot about that. No, fucking like June or something. So it was like. But I so sorry. I you met at college. I met at college, and then uh, we didn't really start speaking to each other properly until I think until sitting here. Until just, I had like uh, a music video project, and everyone else kind of said, "You're all right. I don't want to do that." And mm -hmm. it was him and a boy Harry who did the music for this film. Yeah, they were the only ones that came on us and said, "We're just kind of like we just kind of work well together." And we're like, ah, "Let's just fucking let's keep this thing class. Off, you know? mm -hmm. What about yourself, Cameron? In regards to mm -hmm. when did you sort of? When did that spark to want to be a filmmaker? It, it wasn't like a pure epiphany, like he said, but it was <laughs> it was just a gradual thing. Like, um, obviously, like I fucking left school at like, like 17 or something. I uh, fucking hated it. Had, I've had a million jobs, so like, honestly, it's like every job in the sun, I've probably done it at least once. And uh, I went to Australia for eight months because uh, I, I didn't know what else to do, to be honest with you. Just kinda, me and my bird went. And uh, it was there I kind of started to get right into photography. Uh, so from that aspect, they're not really linked, but I started uh, getting right into photography and like script writing. Right. Just two very different things. Okay. And then when I and I came back earlier, like, we were going to stay there for a year, but I was like, I'd, I'd like filmmaking seemed like the next thing I'd want to do. Um, I always love films as well. So when I came back, I was coming back early to think like, I'd like to study this and see if I could get a job out of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then obviously went to college. I think it was when we were in college, it was kind of like, the jobs that we're talking about doing after it, we were kind of like, that sounds shite. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that sounds pish. So we were like, let's just start doing our own shit. Mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it kind of started from there. And what about you? Was there a, a particular film? So it was that, that you remember that was like, fucking hell man, this is, uh, I would love to do this. I mean, a weird one. I was a lot younger. Uh, you probably know the fuck story I'm going to tell. I always get to have a few, have a bottle of wine and I'm like, first time I, <laughs> um, I was a kid and I fucking, my dad had like this cupboard down the stair. They had like all his videotapes in, but like the ones I'm not allowed to watch, like the all the 18s, like, not like porn or anything, but like, <laughs> like, like ones that I wasn't allowed to watch, like fucking Robocop and all that shit. And uh, I mind one night, like, try to find a film in my room, I must have been about 10 or something. And I started greeting because I just couldn't find one. I was getting pure frustrated. And I was like, like time's running out, I'm going to go to bed soon. And uh, I went down the stairs and said to him, like, you need he's a film to watch. He was like, right, Mona, I'll show you the cupboard, you know. So she's opened the cupboard and he passed me a Highlander. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, nice. Fucking ace film. And uh, I watched that and it just blew my fucking mind because it was like utterly ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it was fucking class. Like <laughs> Sean Connery playing a Spanish guy and he's the only Scottish guy in the film. I just like, that's, mental. Class. that's the first <laughs> film I remember when I was a kid being like, that's fucking class. I'd love to do something like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And visually as well, like Aye. I don't know because you've gotten into photography. Visually, mm. that movie Highlanders oh, it mental, looks actually. amazing. Like, it is mental, and it doesn't get sp spoken about enough. I'm on here to, to plug Highlander. Watch Highlander. I had <laughs> somebody talk about it the other week in the podcast, but the soundtrack as well. Aye. Like if you Aye. take Aye. away the cheesiness and the eighties and the fact Aye. that a French guy's playing a Scottish guy and a Scottish <laughs> guy's playing a Spaniard, 
It looks amazing. It's actually, he's meant to be Egyptian. <laughs> is he? Is he actually? He's meant to be Egyptian, but he's, he's, he's in the Spanish court, so oh, right. Sean Connery's actually, like, Egyptian in it, which is Mental fucked up. Imagine, like, a white Scottish actor trying to play an Egyptian now, you'd be like, oh, um, definitely. Uh-huh. Them. It's weird that now with things like Stranger Things, like, the 80s look, the 80s aesthetic, like, the neon, oh, with, like, Marvel, it's, real, it's back yeah. as well, man. Like it's back big time, which is it's pretty so, cool. So one of the things I, I want to ask is like we, we obviously had um Paul and I had a like angry young men um and I think it's the first time I ever really got like an appreciation for everything that goes on behind it because obviously like we had Paul and as the director yeah. and you know spoke to him in a, a very like direct kind of like one on one kind of sense and then went to the premiere and was like he is like the figurehead of. 50 60 other people underneath doing all sorts of things mm-hmm. like editing cinematography so on and so forth like as you're learning this at uni and college how did that not put you off because that is like you, you you're out there i looking to express yourself make art whatever it is but like there's a lot of logistics behind right. like putting a movie together that yeah. i don't think i ever appreciated until i actually sat down and spoke to another filmmaker yeah i big time but i would say that i think like you're saying, like, how did college like, prepare you for that? And it, realistically, it didn't. <laughs> no, honestly, like, no. they kind of sugarcoat it and they're, they're kind of prepping you to do, like, small jobs for the BBC. That's kind of what it felt like going to college. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. I, maybe if you're lucky, you can be an assistant editor to some guy at the BBC and, and that's where you'll be forever. Yeah. I'm not saying that's the worst job in the world. Like, I'm right. sure it's class or something, mm-hmm. right? But I think the only way to realise how much work goes into that is to literally just fucking do it. And you're, like, halfway through it and you're like, oh, my God. Like, mm-hmm. like, it's just that kind of escape kind of thing as well because obviously... After we finished college, we're about like, right, what, what do we do? Because we want to make films, you know what I mean? Like, what, what do we kind of start here? Like, I want to mm-hmm. take my CV and I'm just going to hand it to the BBC and give us a job. Give like, us a job as a director. Yeah, yeah I think, like, this is, <laughs> please, this is something that I've heard, who am I, who am I thinking about? Uh, Stephen Purden talk about, um, that you start off as, like, a sort of a wee guy and you've got dreams <laughs> and you hang right. Me tear on now. And we're talking about, like, the stigma that you're getting met with when you go into a creative industry, but then you go... You, you break that sort of barrier and you go to college and you go to uni and then they're basically there to prep you to make tea for somebody to be BBC, yeah. if you're lucky, and uh, then you do that for a while. <clears throat> was there a bit a sort of disillusionment there with, like, the education sort a, of side of it? Like, fuck that, pretty much. I was like, right, um, right. I, 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 it was just the fact that, like, we do these kind of jobs and you would be in them, but it was just like... When, would you, when you were in those jobs, would there be any opportunities to come back out and to do that kind of stuff that you want to do? Like, I was kind of like, I was, I guess, a bit of worrying, you know? Aye. Um, but also, the way to do that, you kind of need to throw yourself out there on your own. Yeah. And that's why I needed, like, when I came up with this idea, I was like, I'm going to need a lot of help like, doing this. Is like, mm-hmm. if we're going to do this, we need to like, we need to all help each other and, like, come together in some way. And, you know, I mean, always kind of chip in. We're really going to do it. So, yeah. So it seems as though there's, there is a core groupies I always get the two easier the day but I think for the press pack there was about half a dozen of the sort of core team that are involved like you want to yeah. give anybody a wee sort of shout out while they're here yeah I mean the crew well pretty much there was four people in the whole crew like, I mean including me it was so Cameron was helped me write the script he was the cinematographer um Harry was um he done the music for it and David helped with Camera, kind of like camera well. operating, but mm-hmm. it was like a really small crew. And we like, I suppose we all kind of did everything. Yeah, we were yeah. all like, 
Obviously, Harry's the, the music man. We had him doing the fucking lights and shit as well. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, the behind the scenes. Well, as well. We were all doing lights yeah. and sound and fucking everyone. So there was only four of us. So it was like, we need to figure a way out to how we do this. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, did you stick it out at uni? Like, what happened if you are feeling like, fuck this? You know what I mean? They're prepping yeah. you to go and no, yeah. no doubt you are what to do, user. Yeah. They are wanting to be filmmakers and yeah. they're preparing you for a job. Yeah. Like, really? Did you see it out? Uh, I we finished that. Yeah, we finished. We finished. Um, Graduate during college, lockdown, yeah. though, which was yeah, it was a bit of a weird. Thing weird, though. Right? Just kind of like I just kind of fizzled out, and then you were no longer at college. And I was mm-hmm. like, "The fuck am I doing now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on furlough, and I'm just kind of hanging about." And it was um, I was really was at that point especially because like there was no like, I didn't feel like there was like a last day at college. I didn't like it was just kind of like we like, finished it now. What the fuck do we do now? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and like for creatives as well, COVID was like. I mean, every industry just stopped oh, yeah. tracks, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Like, mm-hmm. especially like with filmmaking, it all requires people and stuff. Um, so, how did you get for that point? So, I what did you do for there? Like, did you just decide to just make your own stuff? Or yeah, I think oh, well, um, can I add? Well, I think leaving college, like um, I ended up doing uni like for a wee bit, and it was, did, I and it was like I probably just went right back to like year one and it was like very foundation right. kind of stuff and i was like what was oh, it again no. it was like fucking seeing film, film yeah and i was like oh no i can't do this again i was like i i think it was just it was heavy like uh, theory kind of based as well and it was mm-hmm. like you kind of like get hands-on you might start making stuff and it wasn't really for me so we left and like also i kind of left and i was kind of unemployed so i was like right we need to start making stuff and just you know we can spend time and the we kind of we started making like a short film and we made it and everything. I was editing. I went, "Oh my god, I hate this. Oh, this is shit. terrible." <laughs> I was shit. I was shit. <laughs> and I kind of, I was kind, I was kind of disillusioned with it a wee bit. And I was like, "Oh and no!" And the critics always the worst. I know. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Yeah. And uh, Cameron just kind of messaged me and said, "Right, why don't you just write anything? We'll just go back out, we'll film it, and we'll just see what happens." And who that is was, that? That was you. Uh, that was just me. like if it's shite, it'll, it'll be shite. But eventually, if we get doing it, it'll be alright. <laughs> uh-huh. So were you at the the sort of like I've tried. It's shite. Let's go and get a job. Like yeah, let's just get leave a real job now. I'll leave it there. <laughs> that was that was fun. <laughs> uh, aye, like he would he'd love write these mad ideas. And at this point, I was working in a fucking COVID testing centre in Cranhill, and it was like it was never busy. It was dead all the time. So you'd literally just a, gr- a room full of people sitting down fuck all mm-hmm. for like twelve hours a day. Yeah. So he'd send me these mad fucking. I've got this idea for this fucking scene last guy. Mental shit, and I'm just gonna like write. Then I'd just kind of like format it in a script. And we're like, I send it back to him and he'd be like, aye, this is alright. Yeah. <laughs> I will shoot that. I think that's you know I mean? quite a common pitfall that creatives fall into. Like, um, I, I was in a band for years. Matt's like wrote multiple things, but aye. I think sometimes when you've got a dream mm-hmm. and you've got a vision and you do something, you're like, here we go, man. Like, aye. I'm fucking making my first shot here. This is going to be, you know, critically acclaimed. You'll oh, get, and then you fail. You, there is a sort of tendency to just be like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not cut yeah. out for this. Mm, definitely, you, you do need to keep trying because it's certainly it's like the case for me. If it wasn't for the fact that I had to work with you on this, this would be like once a year instead of once a month. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, but I, I kind of get where you're coming from in that respect. Like, it can be quite sort of daunting. But like, when you're then moving on to be like, right, do you know what? Let's put something on paper. Mm-hmm. Let's what what what. What are the ideas that you're looking to bat about to start with? Like, where, where's the, where does the, the like the filmmaking process begin for you? It kind of, I guess, kind of with this film, it was just like it kind of started with. It always starts with kind of 
just daydreaming about kind of what kind of ideas you would make. And it was kind of with this film, it was like, um, I was always thinking about this film, like, oh, what would I do if I actually had a chance to make a feature? Like, if someone just went, Alan, here's a million pounds, like, go make a feature. And mm. I was like, I wonder what I'd do. And I was like, I, like, I love the idea of like, um, one character for like a whole film, you know, like maybe an hour and a half or something, it was like mm-hmm. just him. And it's constantly changing, you know, going through his mind. It's kind of, and that's kind of it's like a mental health story, but everything's changing. Um, I was like, it could be interesting, you know. Like, also, I was thinking it quite big. I was like, if it was quite a big film, I was like, mm-hmm. and I also felt like I don't know how I'm gonna do that. So I just put it back in the back of the mind and went, maybe one day. And then when we were making this short film, because I started off with something completely different. Yeah. We were doing it, and it was like, I just I was looking at the footage, and I was like, that first day, and I was like, nah, this is something bigger. Look, this looks really good. To, like, surprise, it was surprising me, and I was like, mm-hmm. just like, holy shit, like. I think, and the way the scene was going as well, I was like, this is like the middle of something. There's something before this and there's something after. And I was like, I'm going to see what, what's before and what's after. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put them together in this middle and I could maybe come up with something. And then it just developed. And I was like, I'm, I think I'm just going to go for a feature. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, just say to him, like, not, eh? let's just do it. Like, let's, I like the uh, idea, of, and it's no, no comparable in terms of the content, but I um, don't know if it leans on some of what you're talking about. I don't know if any of you have seen like, the Dalmer thing recently yeah. with the lad mm-hmm. uh, Peters, Evan Peters, Peters or whatever it is. Like, although there are like periphery characters and you know other people representing you know the victims, whatever else, like 95% of that show is like him in empty rooms himself, yep. mm-hmm. like reacting to some of the horrible shit that you know has either just done or you know but there is that very like singular focus on yeah. just him like and i think it's quite funny that you say that about like what you've aimed for there because that's yeah. one of the very few times i've ever watched something i've been i went to stace this dude is in like every single scene like and yeah, like pretty much steals all of them you know what i mean like, um but then i for that to then be something that you're then talking about quite interesting because yeah. it's a lot to put on somebody and i think you are the the actor in yeah in this position mm-hmm. well th- what you're saying like kind of what happened like her rooms that, that was kind of like looking at interesting also because like also we were thinking how are we going to shoot this and i was like i was like, this could work if you do this if you do this kind of in a house and we use all these different kind of rooms in my house this is like this is all the kind of places where someone's gonna experience mental health in some way mm-hmm. in your toilet in your kitchen in your living room this is all the places where you're sitting there and you're like oh no like when life starts to kind of uh, starting to kind of squeeze in and i was like it's kind of interesting we can we can show all these different rooms and show off all these different parts of his psyche where he's kind of he's fallen through pretty much and that was kind of like a like an interesting part of it kind of mm-hmm. trying to display it that kind of way definitely man yeah so that uh, took my interest what, what was the what inspired the the mental health sort of subject it was it was kind of interesting um i think it kind of Maybe started to just being, maybe just being since I was like a teenager that that feeling of being alone. I think that's just it's always kind of just been in the back of my head um, from my whole life, and it's just kind of always there. And I just felt like I think that I got enough experiences to really try and this is also like it's hard for me to say like to try and say a way of understanding mental health because I don't. There's just there's certain ideas that I've got and some abstractions that I'm like I think I know a way to kind of to kind of maybe tiptoe onto this and kind of bring some stuff out that could be interesting to kind of talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of lonely kind of aspect, I felt like there was some experiences I think we could put this in the film. The one character, I think, that had someone, that one person in the room kind of screaming for help and the only entertainment he's got is his own pain. Is like, 
the only way you can't go for that way and like obviously it's extremely dark and very <laughs> yeah. depressing but i was like mm-hmm. but that is like you if you're gonna do this type of film you need to go for it you really I think need so. to do it i mean you know we have many an open conversation about mental health than, than we ever have done um but i do think as well that it's still quite sanitized in a lot of respects like yeah you know we, we still when we talk in the public domain like we still talk a lot in euphemisms about it and stuff like that and i we're working towards you know getting beyond that but i think there is not a lot of stuff that is a real like accurate representation of how raw these moments can be because mm-hmm. like you know the podcast we've never been shy about we're in sort of struggles and stuff like that over the years and like when you're talking about that experiencing it in the, the sort of normality of your kitchen or whatever it is like mm. i completely get that like, and how you know you they feel that isolation like so i i think having watched the trailer that is very like evident in what i've seen so far yeah like um as comes across as quite intense in places and and oh, obviously much, yeah. being like black and white as well yeah. like there's a very sort of striking sort of visual style to it and stuff mm-hmm. like that like um but i like when i seen it i was like you know what this is something that i kind of like quite relate to. i know when we've had guys like brothers and arms in before they're like we want to move the conversation beyond you know guys with their heads in their hands and stuff like that but at the same time that is also the reality of what a lot of people go through yeah you know what i, I was going to say that well i was going to ask one of the questions that i had was that did you do any sort of research into yeah. like obviously you've had your previous and I think mm-hmm. lived experience is probably the most important yeah. factor. That's the best material you can get. Ah, yeah. If somebody's coming into this and they're like, well, mental health is like a hot button topic and I'm going to make a, a movie about that, you'd be mm-hmm. like, maybe your motivations for Aye. doing it's not in the best place. But yeah. did you get any advice for anywhere? Not really, honestly. That, that, I know I lost, that was kind of the main thing I tried to stay away from when I kind of wait. Because like, I know because with that kind of topic, you need to try and you need to try and take it from the heart in some way. Mm-hmm. If you start, if you go too dramatised, and you know, you try and you try and break it down, it's gonna come up as that. You need to really it make it really raw. Looks, yeah. Aye. Like, yeah, I think what Matt's saying there, like, feel like my perspective. I'm in mental health recovery. Yeah. So I look at everything from a perspective of like the brothers in arms guys. Let's move this away for the deep dark. You know, I want to go in there with you but let's see how so i'm always thinking about what's the way out of this mm-hmm. i think if you're going to make a movie that people are going to relate to yeah it needs to be less about that and more about here's the rawness of it. yeah you right. know what i mean I, I think that comes out like you know, obviously the cinematography like what we shot it on it was it was about trying to create that kind of raw feeling the rough yeah. obviously the kind of way that the, the visual looked the kind of equipment we had it, it worked and try like to show that they really mm-hmm. that kind of domestic kind of feeling and just the roughness of they kind of underground kind of feeling that yeah. you're in there with them. Yes. Definitely. Aye. So the decision on the sort of black and white element, it, that's that was, that was your real house, no? It was, it was, it was, he, from the from the get-go, yeah. he was like, I want to shoot this black and white. I want this to look sort of dark and broody and raw and gritty. And we just kind of went for there. Yeah. So just so you didn't need a colour grade? <laughs> 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 that's an excuse. I was like, no worries, mate. That's cool, Thank mate. fuck for that. I was, I was already planning on it. So I just bring it in the shadows and stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, up the contrast a little. Let's get the, the, well, the blacks and stuff. Some of the, some of the sort of black and white stuff that's, that's famous and like clerks, like that was yeah. a budgetary thing. And also they had to shoot it at night. 
Aye. So trying to make nighttime look like day, so mm-hmm. they were nah, like suppose, doing like that. But because it was like film back then, so they had like black black and white films. Yeah, cheaper, and I was just like click a button. Aye, it's not so much like a limitation of like the, the equipment that you're Aye. using. It's quite accessible now to get like a film grade oh, camera yeah. and, and stuff like that. So it was just purely an artistic sort of choice. And that the budget was definitely a big part as well. I feel as if like when I was making short films, see, so every shot film I done in black and white, it just made it look less like cheap, and Aye. I was like, mm. it looked a bit more style to it. I was like, right, okay, like I think we should do it in black and white. And I think black and white, I understand why a lot of filmmakers start with black and white because it just makes you focus on the film. Mm-hmm. You're not Aye. getting too panicky with the colours and stuff and that, that can affect it when you're shooting on cheaper cameras. So black and white just moves out and you can, you can relax a bit Aye, more. You focus more on the scene, yeah. more on the character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I think that's in terms of like representations of the mental health side of it as well, like, you know, having had experiences myself, like mm-hmm. where, where you are when you're in that wee sort of claustrophobic sort of headspace, like yeah. things feel black and white, like yeah. you feel in very binary, you're either all the way down yeah. or, you know, you're in the process of picking yourself back up, you know what I mean? Like those, there's not an awful lot else yeah. going on. Yeah. And I think like that sort of uh, black and white can be yeah. quite useful as a, like a sort of framing device in that respect as well. Mm-hmm. So you were saying like earlier, like I took a wee note here that it sounds like you've personally used film as like an escape. Yeah. when you were like a teenager mm-hmm. was there any reservations of sort of bringing the two together you're like bringing the sort of thing that you're trying to escape like mental health and and the escape itself mm-hmm. or was that just something that you were just didn't even think about didn't even bother i guess i mean do you mean like i bring it together inside the film or like in real life did i realize in real life yeah. where you're like i use this as my escape it's like uh-huh. you know that allows me to disconnect but you're mm-hmm. sort of connecting the two things together you know definitely i know <laughs> that was definitely a thing where i was like uh well it's like it was a way where like i'd watch films all the time and like people wouldn't really understand like how like obsessed you got with them and, like it's, it's just a film you're like it's more it's so much more than that though. it's like mm-hmm. it's different worlds you can go into it's like it's, it's it feels like you can be in this really dull situation you know, you, you can turn on a film you can watch really anything you want you know what i mean it's like amazing you know what i mean this these different realities you can kind of jump into it's it's amazing also there's also a darkness to it like you're kind of that's your escape to go into a different world and that real love the real one but like i guess that's a part of it as well to kind of to go in here and experience it and that's i guess what's really life is it's, it's all these different experiences yeah i 100 percent. so how long were you shooting for then so you said you started it as like a, a, a sort of shorter sort of project, seeing a bit of potential, like, I think, you know, I don't, well, what, what was Paul saying? He was like five years um, mm. over various, whatever it is. Like, yeah, so yeah. what, what kind of like time scale are we talking? just hearing that. <laughs> 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 so we started, was it February 2021 20, we started? And we pretty much, we, we shot until like, I think it was July. And then from then, I kind of, I was pretty much editing pretty much um, every day we shot yeah. and I, um, we finished about then and then we worked on the music up until really like July, it was like um, since then and like the editing just took so long, mm-hmm. like it was brutal. Like, like, you, you, like you, when we uh-huh. started shooting this, obviously he said it was a short mm-hmm. and he continued to say it was a short for a long time <laughs> and he was just like, but we'll add this bit on to the point, I was like, this will be like fucking... How long is this shot? Can we release it? No, no, it's a feature. We've got three hours of footage, man. Uh, like, this is no longer a shot. Like. It's a feature, you're like, oh, the season was a feature a long couple weeks ago. So this just keeps getting fucking longer and longer. By like, the first day we shot, it was like fucking heavy, heavy snow. Mm-hmm. And we were like, nah, we'll need to patch this. Like, it was like, nah, we'll, we'll just do it anyway. And like, it, the stuff looked good, man. Like, we, yeah. we got good shit. And like, 
And was that park called in Coatbridge? Dumbeth. Dumbeth. We're in Dumbeth Park and fucking feet are freezing, lad. I thought I'd wear these big boots with all like fucking canvas Doc Martens and they were just soaking wet. I was like, we should fucking just patch this. <laughs> but we didn't, so. Yeah. I think it's just like, I think that was the kind of, the kind of good thing because, um, because I had kind of Cameron as well, like, he was like, because he really, he kind of like photography and stuff and he really visually knew what it was. Like, when we were filming stuff, like, I really trusted him. Like, it was, it was good to have a proper crew and to have like, people like, like Harry, I'd, I trust him with the music, trusted Cameron, uh, kind of visually and David as well. And, we really all just kind of came together and like especially in the kind of visual department i feel as if the film really came alive and i was like this is we can make it more than a short film like yeah. surely there was well, no, no storyboards or nothing it was just kind of like uh-huh. quite organic very run and gun just kind of yeah. get show up to be everyone to shoot and just kind of decide what we're doing kind of there and then type mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i've always wanted when we have people in for these conversations to have been like the guy stoning in a coat bridge park while you were filming and being yeah. just like, what the fuck is going on? There's a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. so filming in coat bridge, you get a lot of. Oh, that's yeah. a lot of fucking guys you were describing it, I was like, it's always this guy with these dogs going to be pure. What? Just shoot a wee documentary there, so aye, mate. Aye. Just be like, aye, aye, whatever they say. Aye. Like, no a lot of arms looking directly down the lens. <laughs> so you were saying that the editing took a while. What was your total shoot? Like, so how much, how many hours worth of fucking footage did you have to? It took so long because like just like kind of putting it all together and to try and get the best narrative because obviously it's just like one character and mm-hmm. to try and film to edit in a way to, I think the main thing was to get in that kind of headspace. Like also you were, you were editing on a was it a MacBook Air? What were you using? Like what, what were you using to edit? Uh, Premier, right, yeah. and was it what was it shot in 4K? No, no, 1080. Mm-hmm. It, it would still struggle though. Oh, yeah. big time! Aye. Aye. It was like every day he'd be texting like me. I, I think I've just fucked it. I think I've just gone. I was I like, how did I get it all back? And it was like, yeah. it's like Jesus Christ! <laughs> I think I was lost at them. Oh wow! So that's that, that's like, I mean, that's a sort of like budgetary thing, isn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. I'm sure if uh-huh. you could have, you would have went and got like oh, a 6K like Black that. Magic uh-huh. and uh-huh. you know like a, an M1 Pro MacBook to sit and make it all. Uh, if we had the money, we'd have just. What, paid a fucking editor to do it, to do it. It's a big fancy suite. Really? Do you think you would have you would have no. paid an editor? Or? That's probably difficult. Like, I don't think like I don't think there was anyone else who would really edit, but maybe like no. it's you'd so be sitting over somebody's shoulder. Like I know, like day. it's just so hard to really to tell someone because like, a lot of the editing, I just have to kind of go into it and go right. How do how does this scene feel? How am I gonna how is it gonna like can I come across? How am I gonna mm-hmm. edit? That was the really difficult thing when I was editing for months because just watching yourself, I was like. Oh, this is uh, agonizing. Oh my god, I sound like deaf, you little. Oh I could, god. I'd be cutting everything oh. like Alec Bog in there, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> so, really I, 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 what I wonder there is like, you know, you're talking about you're the director, you're the editor, like the director has the, the you know, the kind of like airy fairy sort of vision of how mm-hmm. it wants this to pan out, but obviously the editor's got you then be quite pragmatic and actually put stuff together. Did it help that you had the dual roles because? you were actually in charge of the space where the, the sort of vision meets the actual yeah. what's, what's eventually going to go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that definitely kind of helped in a way because it was like, I just kind of referred back to like, what's the story? Like, mm-hmm. let, let, what what were you doing on the day? What was the directing like? What were you kind of, was it you kind of wanted? Kind of come, every time like I'd really get stuck and I'd be like, oh my God, I, I, this scene isn't working. Try and kind of go back, like, even though how hard that was to go back and get a vision like, how was it like on the day? Mm-hmm. Kind of try and take it from there. But, I think the thing, it is especially a difficult thing is like just where, guess where the character goes like throughout the film. I think that was, it's disturbing. Like it was, 
it was hard for me to just lock myself in a room mm-hmm. and be lo- locked in a room with your own like, voice that's really screaming in pain like, in yeah. your ears. It was, it was really difficult. Like, I just, you couldn't even, oh my God, you couldn't even imagine it to try and I just watch it. Really that because you've been through the process of filming these really mm-hmm. like emotive scenes that are mm-hmm. about expressing the anguish on men- poor mental health. And then you've basically got to sit and repeatedly watch it back over and over again. I think that probably would be. Yeah. I mean, I can't write a, like a chapter or something without turning it a neurotic mess, so it definitely wouldn't be for me. You know what I mean? Just like, like, you know, headphones on and you're like locked in it. You're, you've pretty much just got a seat like, right inside your own head and you're like, oh, this is difficult. Like, you know, need to really like, take it in and really like, do it. But it was, it was pretty painful, but it was, it was like, a, it was an amazing like experience, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it was agonizing. <laughs> did you and find it cathartic? I think eventually I did. Eventually I like actually kind of started enjoying it because it was like, it was like, I was clearly, it was like expressing like something. I was like, when I started to really get in here, I was like, right, okay, I'm actually quite enjoying this. Because mm-hmm. I think after a while I just had to kind of, I had to get kind of numb to it and like just kind of, just kind of see it as a different character. Like talk yeah. to him like, oh, um, Alan's quite good at that bit and you're like, he's losing his mind. <laughs> well, like, Don't put yourself <laughs> in the third person in the edit suite. <laughs> I know, I, that was like the only way to get, to really get around it, to really, mm-hmm. to really try and capture the character, kind of get through it, but it was, it was quite difficult. Yeah. What was it like for you? You're like seeing your mate just quite raw. And oh, it was, uh, also, I hadn't really seen Alan do any like acting and stuff. He'd made a few short films, like really, really short things. Uh, so it seemed to be bits and balls, but he, he went, full full on in this film like uh, there's a few scenes in particular where obviously i'm right up close in person with the camera and he's going tonto like proper mental and it was a mm-hmm. uh, uh, it was very very bizarre uh, there's one scene in particular i'm not i don't spoil it there's one <laughs> there's one scene in particular where he was genuinely going fucking ballistic mental and we just had this one setup like on a tripod and we were just about to just sit and watching like this is fucking nuts, but we all knew as he was doing it, this scene's gonna be fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. This like is a, gonna be class. Was it a seven minute kind of long take that kind of scene? Aye. That was, I think it was the scene where, like, right, okay, we've got something here. Like, this is, Aye. We, we need to really, like, and you, you, you even like gonna... physical pain after it as uh-huh. well, because he just kind of kept going and going and going and going. And it was uh, pretty disturbing. <laughs> it was, also, it's quite difficult because when you're doing a type of film, because it can be quite like nerve wracking because you're like, how are they gonna feel about this? Because really, when you're doing this kind of topic, you're mm-hmm. taking a step, you're like, really, like, this is serious, you're doing it. So you really need to kind of go for it. And also, I was kind of worried that doing these kind of scenes, like, how are they going to feel? Like, uh, I'm, I definitely think that you're after that. <laughs> it's quite exposing, I can imagine. Time, right? Yeah, very. There was, de- there was, there was definitely, so, well, it kind of got to the point when we were filming stuff, we really had to, like, take a good break because it was, I was absolutely done after it. And oh. even, like, even the thought of, like, editing it, like, I had to be, like, like tossed away need a bit of distance on yeah. this than I but I was like that was the main thing if we if we were gonna do these scenes and we're gonna really push it and really like no half measures and really right. go for it then I think we really we're really gonna have something yeah so they kind of they, they kind of stick with it even though and there was never a, there was never any talks of like uh, going in half-heartedly it was like if we're gonna no. do this it was gonna yeah. be fucking full mm-hmm. yeah when we're so I I was like where, where do I want to go with this the you hear people like um Heath Ledger obviously like tragic what's happened and a lot of people make these assumptions that because he played the Joker Aye. you know that's really impacted his mental health mm-hmm. and then I think Joaquin Phoenix said a very similar sort of thing um did you find that you know outside you're saying you had to take time and space which mm-hmm. is great but did you find that when you were away for it that 
you know, it had an impact on your mental health or it had an impact on how you were thinking? Definitely a bit. Like, it's hard to kind of describe what it was, but it was, it was like, it was difficult because also you're, you get your almost like you're like spewing like all this stuff up that you've got inside, even if it's like being dramatized in some way, or you do start to think like, well, am I, am I, is this really what's kind of going inside, going I know, on inside? Been hiding? <laughs> I know, like, it's quite worrying because also like we just kind of done the takes, so we're pretty like we we don't do many takes and we done it. It was like I got like right into it straight away. It wasn't as if there was loads. There was quite a lot of scenes where I was kind of maybe struggling to really go to like ten, and I was like, that was also that was kind of worry me a bit it was like it just felt like it was all this stuff like inside it was waiting to, it was boiling up and also when you're outside it and you're coming in the edit and you're like get locked into it you're like oh like this is, this is i'm struggling here but like that was when it started getting good and when like kind of harry came in and started doing the music that was when it just brought an our life to it and it really started coming like a film mm-hmm. and i was like right this is this is brilliant because i think that was one thing both of us can agree on like i thought the soundtrack was like i know this is my own film but absolutely incredible for a debut like it's it's fucking insane like it's amazing like like, i'd I'd uh, seen the film like like in its entirety with like temp tracks mm -hmm. they put and we all fucking loved it and then they'd went away and done the music and then i seen it later on with the fucking the score and everything it was like a completely different film i was kind of i was like holy shit (laughs) this is real (laughs) it does make some difference i mean it's exactly what i was just about to say it's weird how much of a difference the the music makes to a movie it could totally change a scene like completely you ever seen the uh you ever seen star wars yeah before (laughs) john williams have you ever seen that on the documentary? No. So on, there's a documentary yeah. on Disney Plus. I'm a right. pure Star Wars geek. And there's a documentary. It's like fucking five hours long. So I don't oh, know if anybody. Empire would... or something. Aye, oh. and it's crazy. I've watched that. But there's a bit where they show you a scene before the score, and it, it's like Benny Hill. <laughs> you're literally like because ah, of the English accents and they were filming in England yeah, and stuff but aye. it's literally you're like that's like parody and then John Williams score goes under it and you're like it brings it's it it's a space opera yeah. like instantly aye, or even the fact that I was talking about soundtracking and Star Wars at that point in time, like before, uh, what's his name, James L. Jones? Oh, Darth Vader was a Yorkshireman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, imagine that. Hey up, hey up, Leia. So, soundtrack's important. Very important. I do like video work. Nothing like this, right? But I've done like some some like, local business adverts or mm. YouTube stuff. And what really surprised me is how creative editing is. Like, mm-hmm. and sometimes when you're doing it, you think you, you get your shots and you're, you're looking at them and you think it's going to be like this. And yeah. then you're like halfway through editing it and you're watching it back and you're like, this is totally fucking different. Uh, yeah, Did yeah. that happen? Like, because I think I've heard, which kind of, I'm like, is that right? Where they can, every time we put an episode out, I sit back and listen and I'll go, He's actually made me sound fucking vaguely intelligent now, so <laughs> well, usually I'm going, eh, what was I saying? You know what I mean? Like, but, um, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> but um, uh, did the, you're talking about like narratives and stuff, did any of that change while you were doing the editing? Because that fascinates yeah. me that you, you're, I've always just assumed they'll know what it's going to be like, yeah. like just watching a movie. They'll yeah. go into it, they'll know what's happening, but, that's gonna happen, but right? they'll get it in and they'll be like, nah, fuck that, and they'll you can actually change narratives yeah. just by putting things in different places or taking stuff out. Like, did uh, any of that happen? I, just, I would say it changed quite a lot. Would you like um, edit wise? Because I guess there was. I think the kind of big thing was we'd kind of we'd edit it and it was kind of rough cut. <coughs> and 
Um, I was it was it was good, but I was like I thought it was like there was maybe too much. I'd put too much maybe like just pure amateur stuff, loads of div- dissolves and stuff in it to make it like uh, constantly an outer body experience. I was like, this, this, this is rubbish. Shite. Like, <laughs> this is like you get, you need to just place someone out. You can't totally like keep doing it. And like mm-hmm. so, what I think the main thing was like stripping it all back and stuff. And there was actually like I'd actually shot an opening to it and we kind of cut that out and we came back and refilmed it, knowing like kind of what happens in the rest of the film. And I think that was the last stuff we shot as well. And it's probably the best stuff we shot like. The opening the living room. Oh shit, yeah. I'm trying to think what you there. Aye, big time aye. And we shot that stuff and like knowing what happened, like it kinda it just looked like really good. We kinda and it, I thought it was kinda like a great way to open it. Cause I remember mm-hmm. I remember watching there was like I, I hadn't seen have you seen like Christopher Nolan's the following? No. Christopher Nolan's uh following. No, I don't think I have. It was like he's it's like his first gen or his first ones. I feature yeah, never one really talks about it's like the best like independent like feature and like I wish I watched it before like I, I made this film, but like I watched this guy a documentary on it and he was talking about how when he was making the film, like um, he had kind of there was parts of it that didn't look quite good or didn't sound quite good either. But so what he done was he went back and he like shot like it was almost like a bookend and he shot it for like the opening to the film and that was when he made sure it sounded good. They made it look really visual, uh, visually like look great. So when the film came on, people were kind of locked in straight away and going, "Oh, okay, we're in it." And then when it got into maybe the kind of cheaper parts of the film. People were already locked in because they're already, they're already invested. They're, they're also. Invested, and that's kind of what right. we'd done for the opening. So I thought that was that was kind of great. If we kind of went back and so I think to like touch on like the editing because and maybe some of the narrative that he's written as well. Like um, the actual film itself is, it, I think I read it was a non-linear like sort of narrative that he's were exploring with. It. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think you know maybe for the editing side of things that's probably quite useful because maybe each scene doesn't necessarily need to like you know sort of ebb and flow the way that yeah. you know like otherwise would like you know we've obviously discussed that you know try to explore and, and sort of sh- you know highlight what it's like to experience the sort of poor mental health but what is is there a kind of a narrative woven that you know a kind of a story so to speak like that, a that in the style we, with editing the way it's kind no, of no just in just oh, in the, the yeah. terms of the actual content oh. itself like i know you've saying it's like sort of non-linear but is there a what is it you want us to sort of take away from the character's experience? I guess what is it's interesting to think it's a story, but really the main thing is is to just to be in there and this to to come into this kind of perspective as him and like to just kind of feel like the everything kind of changing around you. It's about this kind of this feeling of being loneliness, the, the uh, being trapped in like your own kind of mind, the kind of the ideas of what happens outside. It's kind of this kind of it's this journey of it's pretty much a kind of dark adventure pretty much kind of, mm-hmm. um, of going inside your own head kind of exploring everything what's it like and it's it's about the kind of the fall that happens and um all these expectations of kind of where the story's going and when kind of how it kind of expands it was very like it's gonna have to kind of think it like it was very kind of i wanted to keep it really loose because mm-hmm. i wanted a feeling of like that feeling like what happens in real life is that there's not exactly like an argument yeah. of where, when this stuff kind of happens. It just it happens and it spirals out of control and mm-hmm. you start worrying and the depression happens and you start feeling sick. And that's the film. Like it starts, you're thrown into it, you're falling, you're falling deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. You try to raise out, fall even more. You can as, as we try to m- move through all this and then, and like, in kind of like a weird way, kind of like an entertaining kind of way, like, how to find entertainment and like almost like this disintegration in your own mind like right. how to find some kind of it, it kind of like a 
like a brutal enjoyment in it like that's kind of obviously the dark kind of part of it like mm-hmm. the whole thing like if you're alone like <clears throat> only entertainment the only thing you know is a kind of sabotage yourself like kind of embracing the depravity which is kind of what the story is yeah in terms of that depravity i mean mm-hmm. we're talking these are you know guys in your 20s coat bridge yeah um you know young guys for those next to the woods like man and you know any working sort of class community yeah. when they're experiencing sort of poor mental health there tends to be you know alcohol and or yep. drugs involved in the process like particularly amongst let's say younger demographics and stuff like that is that something that the film explores or is it purely just Definitely. about the actual oh, mental yeah. deterioration alcohol is a, a big part of this film like mm-hmm. yeah is um that was the scene with cam was talking about the kind of the long kind of setup that was <clears throat> That was really difficult to shoot. That was um, that was basically like, like <laughs> on you. You drank a lot. Also, it was wasn't that he wasn't just naked like fucking booze all the time, but mm. to drink that much water I was Got pretty concerned. Hard to uh, watch it because <laughs> um, I think well that's the kind of that was kind of stuff you said because when you start going when you're dealing with that kind of mental health kind of aspects like so now you kind of you need to dip in and show how people are dealing with it and alcohol comes into it and. That was kind of the scene we're talking about. It's about, you know, drinking till you're numb. I can remember when I was like a teenager, that was like all I done. That was like, oh, and I never even liked, properly enjoyed like drinking like alcohol until I was like in my 20s. And I feel as if that's just still a recent thing. But mm-hmm. from all life, I mean, whenever I've drank, it's just like, just to feel numb, just to, just to kind of forget and just to mm-hmm. black out. And that was kind of where the experience came from. It kind of, to show someone when you're in this kind of awful state, like, just drink more and if you still feel it drink more drink more and drink more and keep going until, until you don't feel it now uh, and then when you wake up do the exact same thing over again yeah man uh-huh. yeah i mean so much drinking culture we hear about like uh, we've yeah. got a drinking culture mm-hmm. i think we've got a lot of mental illness that just goes unchecked yeah, or like poor right. mental health no mental mm-hmm. illness like poor mental health it goes unchecked and i've even experienced that sort of like we spoke with right back at the start of doing Rebel City with Chris McQueer and we were sort yeah. of like having a bit of banter about that sort of three pint glow mm-hmm. uh, where do you get see right now I mean I don't uh, drink a lot that's like a half a pint glow for me the now, yeah. like, fucking hell I had a pint of Guinness the other night I thought it was steaming but <laughs> there's definitely I say it changed days I was out last weekend for a Mrs. Work hang and I had like six pints and at 11 o'clock I was pure up, up the road, road. Aye, <laughs> for sure. but um, there's I think sometimes you you're drinking and, and the cloud lifts mm-hmm. and you're like mer. Uh, like yeah. I, you're you're almost it's like you're it's a relief of your suffering so then you do more but mm-hmm. then that becomes you know that there's a point somewhere with alcohol where it starts to get dark yeah where the yeah. darkness sort of like descends back and it's no longer fun and uh, then you're sitting in gaffs you know chasing that lifting of the cloud you know it's, what it's I mean? like you're trying to you're trying to have that third pint again when you're in your eighth. You want you want to feel yeah. like you're a, a wee bit madder, mm-hmm. but you're already too far gone. You know. Yeah, that's it for sure. And I think that you know, even in this city in Glasgow, the idea of the gaff it's really glorified. You yeah, know what it? I mean? And and people are like they're into it. You know, oh, right. get the get the dealer on the phone and who's getting what and blah blah blah. And it's just, I think, total escapism. But when you do it into things like we've spoke where like people talk about computer games and stuff, yeah. I think sometimes when you do it with like media, like movies, music, can have a real positive, like ins- inspirational effect because you're noticing that the cloud lifts when you watch a movie yeah. and then you think, well, mm-hmm. how can I get fucking involved in this? But I think with drugs and alcohol, 
how do you get involved in that? You know, right. you're gonna open yeah. a brewery or something. <laughs> you don't. It just that seems to be a slippery slope. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and using these substances as an escape, but as much as it's it, it's more of an an indication of how bad things are for the person. So you shouldn't be like judging a person for doing that. But Definitely. it seems to be the norm, isn't it? It's just yeah. normal for people to go out every weekend and get fucking steaming. And Aye, I mean, right. I, I'm gobsmacked. It took me as long as it took me to put the correlation between my poor mental health and my alcohol and substance abuse over the years. You know what I mean? Like, it was always something that but you know, two very like, no, you're all there and you're all there. And like, I have poor mental health and I, I like a drink or I, I like a joint or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But like these two things, they they don't intermingle with each other. Right. And then I, you're realizing that you're sitting fucking scunnered at work all day long, and it's not because you hate your job, it's because you're hungover. Yeah, fuck, you, the, you yeah. know, <laughs> I bottle of whiskey you drank the night before or whatever it is. Like, so, I, I think even in those situations when you're experiencing yeah. that and drugs and or alcohol become like an exacerbating factor, like I think it's still really difficult for folk in it to actually mm. see the connection because yeah. as i say it took years and literally like therapy and shit before i was like so so like these two things are the same thing right. you know what i mean and they're like i they pretty much always have been mm -hmm. you know what i mean, I mean like, it just comes out of that kind of the downward spiral thing. you just go when you start to feel that kind of you think drinking's a problem you just go i'll just drink more i'll just it's a solution it's a solution it's not a problem like people are like you've got a problem and and you're like no that's a solution to a deeper problem uh, yeah. and once you realize that if you can help the person come to that realization mm -hmm. then, then recovery is like you're on the road like yeah. you're on that road mm -hmm. something that just came to my mind there like i was listening to Irvin wells talk about how he got really confused when train spotting first came out and you know, obviously train spotting was like a cultural moment yeah. right and yeah I'm sure anybody and yourself included hopes to have a moment like that, be like the dream, right? Yeah. To have like oh, make absolutely. something, a piece of art that becomes like this cultural moment. Mm -hmm. But it was, you know, people leveled in mainstream media and I wasn't really that aware at the time. What, what was that, 95, 96? We were like fucking 12 or 13 year old. So I don't remember, but I can imagine it was pretty much the Daily Mail, you know, that are the red tops that were saying this glorifies heroin taking. Aye. And he was yeah. like, How does anybody watch train spotting and think this fucking glorifies? Aye, that was Aye. Aye, it's, I mean, I went to see the stage show, uh, it's train spotting live, and people were crying in the audience. I was there last week. Oh, were you? Two weeks ago or something. Yeah. Uh, mate, it was how, class. how good is that, man? I, mean, I did not expect it to be full immersive. Aye. And, aye, full nudity and all that. I was like, This is a. Uh, I was expecting it's dark though really right? dark, yeah. really dark was there a part of you that was had any reservations about like the alcohol taking or the mental health and was hearing people now talk about things like oh that's just trauma porn and mm -hmm. you're like what people sharing their experiences <laughs> of their uh, traumas yeah. trauma porn I don't but was there any sort of like worry about that like oh definitely there's a constant worry about it because it is dealing with this kind of topic it is it's it's kind of scary because also it's yeah, because the whole part of the film is it's it's confrontational, it's it's exposing. Like I want I want people to really like have to lean back when they're watching it. I, I think the way we've kinda of shot it is about mm -hmm. placing someone in there and it's about really like trying to feel it just the way haven't written. It's not it's not got that kinda of, it's not written in a way it's kinda of script, it's trying and as much improv as it can just so it feels as real as it can. So I want mm -hmm. people to be involved in it, but obviously you can get someone involved in it, you can make it people make um, they might love it they might be really emotionally attached to it but you could be people that could be really offended by it and Aye. because I mean also I'm 22 so someone could be like you have not fucking loved it long enough to mm. even be able to experience that kind of stuff mm. but it's it's different it's 
you kind of have to, it's about kind of, the whole film is about kind of removing yourself and it's about letting go and it's about really getting in these situations to really, to kind of expose it, to really mm-hmm. to, to have to think about it to, in a, in a way it's uh, but yeah that, that I can kind of see it, I mean even good. for the trailer uh-huh. like you know, I watched the trailer and was like, there was a lot of it that like chimed with me through my own sort of personal experiences and stuff like that. But at the same time, I was like, this is like you, you know, you're going to have an opinion on this, oh, yes. like whether it's nobody's going to be like, ah, it was all right, you know what I mean? Like that's just know what's going to be happening here. You know what I mean? Because also, there's quite a lot of scenes that I've kind of had to refuse, I've kind of refused to put in the trailers and so because the trailers now they're really they're not really showed much. Is it's probably showed they kind of tone and kind of. Yeah, kind of idea what it looks like, but there's quite a lot of scenes I could put in just because spoilers uh, and because I maybe graphic the world, so I can't watch what I was doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, I would say that you've got every right if you're drawn for your own personal experience, it doesn't matter what you're doing, uh, it's about uh, your vision, uh, you know, your uh, it's, it's about how you're communicating your own sort of feelings and emotions. That's just all gatekeeping until like yeah. older people being like, You're too young, you don't know what it's like, and it's like, Well. Well, nah. I, I don't I don't know if that's particularly true. Yeah. And to to go back to something that you sort of said, like when Matt asked, What do you what do you want to get out there? Mm. And you said something about like the ideas, it's like that it's inside your head all this suffering really exists. Like in reality, mm-hmm. none of it really is really real. You know what yeah. I mean? It's it's all in your imagination and how you're sort of framing things yeah. and I think that's important with any sort of mental health sort no, of message to, um, to say that it's no reality, is it? Like, yeah. depression is not part of reality. It's, like, just your own sort of, like, thoughts and mm-hmm. and sort of, the, like, the darkness about it. Um, what was I was going to say next? Like, what are the people that inspired you? And, and I suppose the same to yourself mm-hmm. as well. Like, movies, they could go, what movies is it that inspired you? But yeah. was there any sort of, like, you're saying watching the documentary Christopher Nolan you're like fuck why should I watch that before yeah who are the people that inspire you in sort of movie and film I'd, I think I'm both of us would, uh, I think the main thing kind of visually I guess like come here at your end it was like um, it was Nicholas Wonder Refn's Pusher oh big time aye yeah just aye. that kind of have you ever seen it like, no uh, it's a Pusher trilogy uh, it's uh, that's fucking amazing it's brilliant best trilogy ever made uh, Pusher yeah mm-hmm. I don't even recognise that. No, I'm it's like a, a, surprisingly, a lot of people haven't heard of it. But it's Nicholas Winding Refn who did like Drive. Yeah, and only right. girls he did that. But this is one of his. Was it his earlier? His first film. His first yeah. film. Mm-hmm. I, um, I big time. Like when we seen that, we were like fucking hell. Like that's. But this is this is the style. This is. I mean that that film really that got you in that point of view. Like Frank, the main character, you were on that kind of you're on that dark descent, man, the journey. Mm-hmm. And that was this film. Like how. How do we do that? How do we frame it? How and do we kind of follow it? It's so cheaply made, and you can yeah. tell it is, but it, it fucking adds to the story of like how it's about these sort of drug dealers, and it's just yeah, it's really mm. rough and gritty and handheld, like fuck, like yeah. across the street. I am frantically trying to like place it, and the only thing pushed really that I can get is the hating Christian thing where he's got like telekinetic powers, but I'm assuming that's not it. That's jumper. Oh, jumper. No, 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 Chris Evans. Oh, shit. Is that called Push? Where would you watch that? For mine. Mel than any, but if anybody's listening and they're like, I want to go and watch that. I've, I mean, I got you can get like the DVDs for like the trilogy on. I got a few for like a tenner. I'm sure, they're, I'm sure, they're I'm sure on BFI. Right, right. I'm sure I don't, have, I don't even guys, have anything. The, the, the this, I mean, Drive. I think it was you that put me on the Drive one. And you were mm-hmm. like, yeah. the, the visualizations, like you know, the, the, the stuff like the Huey, the 
thing just goes red as he's as you see the anger sort of rising in the mm-hmm. character and like there's like a very sort of distinctive style for that particular filmmaker well, so we'll talk about earlier what attracted me to drive was trent reznor and the the score it was oh. him that did the score with i think was it Hurphy the yeah 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 or something like mm-hmm. that drive oh, yeah, yeah. am i getting that totally wrong do you think you're gonna drink that too maybe maybe i am i think maybe, maybe i who was it that did the score for drive that was clint mans Clint, Clint Martinez, that right. was who done the score for uh, Drive, yeah. Right, well, it was the music that Aye. sort of attracted me. I thought it was All you had to tell me was Kerry Mulligan was in it, and I'll watch it. Like, <laughs> she's there, I'm in. That's like, like a total art movie. It's surprising <laughs> to see a film like Drive and like how sort of, like, uh, it's, it's amazingly shot and the colours are like fantastic, and it's, but it's quite a, that says it's in like a wank, but it's quite a soft film in the way they kept the movement and it's not a pure practice either. No, I don't know. performances are like very restrained, I, even though it's, it's quite a violent movie. Mm-hmm. And you look at Pusher and it's just fucking. Yeah, like, really look, there's no gimbals in that film at all. There's a guy running about the street with a camera. There's passerbys like, just looking straight in the lens. Like, are they fucking mm-hmm. filming something? <laughs> it's a like, we, want, we should make a fucking film like that. I think, honestly, gives a fuck about passerbys. See, you just type in Pusher chasing. You watch it, I've seen you look right in ACS film. I'm going to go and see if I can find that trilogy. Watch it. Incredible. I don't know. I may cut this because it's a bit, it just came to my mind. Like, the sort of hostile Tory environment of the 80s led to, like, you know, Oasis and the sort of like Britpop and a big explosion in sort of music. Do you think that the sort of 2010s and where we've been has, because we are starting to see more and more, like, Glasgow young guys like yourself are like fuck it I'm going to make a movie mm-hmm. you know I don't remember a time ever that this was I, I mean I think it's where technology meets you know creativity uh, mm-hmm. like young guys and you could pick up a guitar in the 90s right. uh, how could could you get a camera and, and shoot a film I don't it would have cost you a fucking I, bomb, I do but. think it is it's, it's it, like you can shoot a fucking feature on your, your iPhone do you know what I mean yeah. Steve just made a, was a music video on his iPhone Oh, really? It was class. Uh-huh. <laughs> but you're talking about like unemployment, you know, education wasn't quite meeting the mark. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the sort of the state of the UK and, and where we are is part of what's pushing people to just get creative and take things into their own hands and like, well, fuck it. If I'm not going to get funding, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm just going to date myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, for us, for example, it was just uh, going to college with all these almost promises that it's like, oh, we'll be doing this, we'll be doing that. And it turns out to be kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, they're just trying to like train you to be like another wheel in the cog. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it just makes you think like I, I came, I didn't come into this to do a sort of ninety five. I came in to kind of get creative and yeah. do what I want to do. And they just they do they do try to kind of condense that. Like that's nice, but well, you need a job, which mm-hmm. of course everyone needs a fucking job, obviously. But but you kind of want to you want to kind of find your own way there. You kind yeah. of find your own thing to do rather mm-hmm. than just. Like just now, I, I work for a company doing editing and camera work. It's a great job. Um, just probably watch something. <laughs> I'm sure you were doing your job to say, but if I could make my own content, my own movies, it's a great job. I think so many people go into something like that and they get comfortable and they're there forever. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Rather than like, why did you initially go into that job? Mm-hmm. Because you wanted to make films or or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? I think a lot of people now, nowadays are maybe kind of realising that a bit more. Like, instead of just doing something that's kind of what I'm interested in, just go and do what you, what you yeah. initially wanted to yeah. do, do you know what I mean? So many inspirational people out there that are going, look, 
you don't need the backing or somebody. Yeah. You yeah. can just grab a camera and you just do it yourself. Do it. You can and, literally do it yourself. And just I, see what happens. I, that was like the big thing about it. We just can't, I mean, see, even if we make this film and it's it's not any good, we hate it. Well, we can, uh, we made the film, which we can, it's like a learning curve straight away. We yeah. Can, uh, we'll Things are a process, aren't they? Yeah. And I don't know, a, a big thing as well, but like, generally, I think whenever someone asks you, like, what's your favourite Scottish film? You're like, James Bond, true. And you're like, uh, Highlander. What else in your life? <laughs> yes, mate. Yes. Was anybody Scottish actually involved in the making of Highlander? I uh, highly doubt it. <laughs> Other than uh, Sean Connery, Sean but Connery. he's pretty much not Scottish anymore, isn't he? Like, non-dom. He's been in Dublin for like 30 years or something uh, like that. Is he no deed? I just now. Oh, is he? No, oh, well, I missed. Oh, no, I, I did know that. It's uh, just, uh, <laughs> whatever. Um, do you think there's anything that we've missed here that we've been chatting? Because we've been talking for about an hour and I want to find out what you're planning to do with your mm. movie and mm. um mm -hmm. and like what the future's looking for you but do you think there's anything that we've sort of missed or anything that he's wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on do you think there's anything anything you'd like to cover um i think we've got a good kind of a good mindset i think good perspective on it in the yeah. film mm -hmm. quite no i'm pretty happy unless you have anything else. no no, no. we've covered everything <laughs> and, we've, and we've, we've went into everything and um by the way did the press pack say david lynch I did actually. Right. Yeah. I love David Lynch, man. Have you read Catch the Big Fish? Like the book that he wrote? I haven't actually. Oh, I read Root right. of Dream, though. Like, I thought it was yeah, amazing. We can catch the Big Fish, man. Guy's, yeah. guy's a genius. Even though I'm not that mad into some of the stuff that he's done, mm. he's just oh, a yeah. creative juggernaut, you know what oh, I mean? Like, time, I think that's also a big inspiration as well. Like, I love, like, um, see, just the freedom he has in his films. It's like, so, like, inspiring. I'm it's sure like you haven't brought him up already to be honest with you. I know Chris. <laughs> this whole film it was like David Lynch, David Lynch. David Lynch. <laughs> but like it's just it's just kind of way to go. It's like just these ideas you're just like oh man that's just a creative powerhouse man. Like, he's, a, he's, uh, he's that creative that sometimes you watch his stuff and you're like is he just taking the piss now? Yeah. Like is he just yeah. putting it in there to see people go I think I know what he meant by that when it's like a monkey in a suit talking to him in that fucking <laughs> yeah. I think there's like definitely times he just does yeah. shit because he's like I don't think there's layers me. to that I think yeah. that's just he's just fucking writing about a paper and like, it's just Netflix like you, you guys stop me filming this guy in a bear suit no you're not <laughs> shut up you know what I mean like, aye man Catch the Big Fish is a great it's it's about creativity and how he and it's about how he frees himself mm -hmm. for the like not thinking about how other people judge his art Mm -hmm. And he just does what he wants, and then he puts it out there, and he just—I'll leave it at that. The art life documentary is really good as well. Right, just about yeah. him and his studio, fucking mm -hmm. painting mental shit. Ah, he's crazy, Probably man. Really. I love it. Absolutely. I think it's I interesting. Like, I don't know. This is now, you know, a couple of times we've spoke to filmmakers. There's probably an art couple, like you know, uh, pricey and stuff like that, that you know we'd like to get in and speak to as well. Like, I think as well, it's because it's quite a novel thing, you know. Like as you were saying, we grew up through school and. Everybody had a guitar or you know whatever it is. There was not anybody. There was no, as we said, tell it, Paul. There's nearly audio visual clubs or that. It's no something that we grew up with. Other people sort of around his day, but it is becoming more and more prevalent. Like, I think as you know, we go out there and start to see folk explore these things a bit more, like the variety that we're talking about. Because, like I say, this is one that I, think I feel quite connected to it already, having like really? read up on it and seen. Yeah. I like. Yeah. There's moments, particularly in the trailer, where I was like, I've like I've been in that this exact moment, like as something that I've been in, you know what I mean? Like so, um, I, I I'm I'm really enjoying like, talking to him because it's a, a new way of like expressing myself that I don't think I'm fully kind of like yeah. conversant on yet, you know what I mean? Like because it seems like a, a relatively new thing in the grand scheme, but like 
I'm glad to have you in, and like, I'm really looking forward to it. When can we get a pirate copy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose. The, I think the, well, that's, that's it's a pretty amazing thing, like, because uh, it's kind of made that way to try and get people involved, but uh, I've I've showed some people that just to kind of so kind of just see what it's like, you know, to get, get some reaction. feedback, and the reaction's been surprising, actually. Nice. It's been good. Amazing. <laughs> What's the plan for it? I think when we spoke to Paul, he was already like Glasgow Film Festival's coming yeah. up. That was his premiere. I think he was a lot further down the line with that than he made it to us uh, at the time because course, we had course. the episode with us and then it was like, so he's been announced for the film festival. Yeah. I was like, he must have been way down the road with uh -huh. that already. But which, yeah. what's your plan? I mean, we'd love to get into Glasgow. That's, that's the plan. I'd that'd love to do that. would be like, that'd be pretty incredible. Is that like a dream? That's a big dream. That is yeah. like, if we go into Glasgow, like, Holy shit! Like <laughs> there, a, there was a daily record article, so you, you were putting out to, yeah. was there other festivals you were aiming at as well in the there, country? There was, um, there was some kind of there was some European ones that was quite interesting. Just kind of put them, just to see like because the way the film was made, like, I wouldn't exactly say it's like particularly like, a Scottish kind of film. So yeah, I, I was so. interested to see if like I wonder if it would, it would do anything over there. So yeah. still went to hear back for them. That'll still be that'll be the day at the same time as kind of Glasgow, but mm -hmm. Glasgow was the main one. That'd be just. Glasgow, that's insane. <laughs> That'd be like pretty incredible. The theatre's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. And as you didn't say, you know. Yeah. That's it. Aye. And I think the the reaction that Paul got for uh, angry, Aye, I mean, mean it sort of does open the door, I think, for people. Yeah. Like to um to to submit stuff and, and get their own sort of stuff out there. So that's amazing. And what about the future? He's gonna keep making movies uh, uh, definitely um, I mean I've just finished my own short film. It's it's now uh, getting music done to it. And a colour grade, and then then I'll see what I'm doing with that. And then I think we're planning another feature kind of yeah. in the works. I think, well, we'd like to start it maybe next year. I mean, we've already shot, well, it's kind of written. We've shot the opening scene. Yeah, we shot that uh, again in Coatbridge, mm -hmm. and uh, just to kind of get the ball rolling, see what's happening. And um, hopefully, because I wanted like a, a good kind of time gap before we started again. Mm -hmm. uh, so. That'll be quite good to do. Hopefully, get that started next year. So it all blows up in a couple of years for now. Kevin Feige's like pure right lads. <laughs> We're going to use a franchise, but franchise do you want? Push our four, five, and six. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it to the MCU. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I just thought I'd finish the the movie conversation with something that is like not movie related because <laughs> they get a lot of stick, don't they? It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Nah, um, you I'm, so much. I, I, if, if there is going to be a premiere, me and Matt went to Angry Young Men. We'll come along. Like I want, I want to see it. If mm -hmm. we can get to see it before then, then I would definitely. Because then we can help you with promotion wise or retweets or any of that kind of shit. Just he's yeah. a nudge man. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs>